Happy holidays and welcome to a surprise bonus episode of The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre and I wanted to bring you some great talks before we enter season two in February. The incoming winter holidays are going to be hard for so many of us, but it's so important to remember how remarkable people can be. Take today's guests, Gracie and Rachel. They're two friends from California who've created a beautiful album that excels at making you feel something. That album is called Hello Weakness, You Make Me Stronger, which is a collection of songs that feel cinematic, lush, creative, and invigorating. Both Gracie and Rachel have been based in New York for a while, and this album does such a great job at showing how inspirational this city can be. Lyrically, the album explores how coming to peace with your weaknesses tends to be an internal dialogue, one that you eventually have to exercise within the real world. In a year like 2020, we've all learned some hard truths. We've all seen sides of ourselves that we wish we hadn't. I'm so grateful that this album exists, from their stirring vocals to Rachel's mind-blowing violin play. On this episode, I chat with them about how they made this brilliant album, as well as how they overcame the challenges of 2020 not only as musicians, but also as close friends. Get relaxed, get warmed. This is definitely an episode made for hiding out from the cold. I hope you're having a great holiday, especially if you can't spend it with your family and friends. 2020 was rough, man, but 2021 is going to be a better year, and I look forward to seeing you all in season two. For now, have fun with today's bonus episode. This is The New Exchange with Gracie and Rachel, Enjoy. So there'll be an intro to this, but before we start, could you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? I'm Gracie. And I'm Rachel. And we're really excited to be here with you, Ken. Thank you. Yep. I'm really glad we got to finally have the chat, especially after getting to live with your music for a while. Um, how have you two been throughout this these last couple months? I mean, we're near the end of 2020 and somehow we made it, so that's kind of wild. The best thing we have to look forward to right now. We're really excited about uh, getting out of this year and into another one. Um, we've been okay, you know, hanging in there. But it's a, such a loaded question. It's such a Wild question. Every day day looks a little different, doesn't it? Or exactly the same. Or exactly. (laughs) Or feels a little different. Or exactly the same. I think one of the weirdest experiences is when you look back on something that happened a week ago, and then you realize it was actually maybe a month ago. You're like, oh wait, that was a long time ago. Yeah. The opposite has been happening for me, where I feel like I think it happened a week ago, but it actually just happened this morning. (laughs) <laughs> like oh my goodness that was only this morning it feels like a lifetime ago time has moved out of bizarre state yeah well you know big congrats has to be towards the fact that you guys released an album over the course of this pandemic and you know obviously that's never anyone's ideal circumstance but i wonder how you found yourself feeling about that generally <laughs> we were planning for it we wanted we wanted to release during a pandemic so we kind of held off <laughs> we really staged this whole thing so, you know, we could just make it be about that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been saying that we like we lived in such a chosen quarantine for so long um, to write this record pre pre pandemic. Uh, we were really living and working in our loft that you know um, we've been in for for so long, and so we we kind of wrote this record to ourselves to get through that period of time. And so when the fact that it came out, you know, after we had been in our own isolation and now the rest of the world was going into that isolation, it sort of felt bizarrely fitting and um, comforting in some kind of twisted way. Uh, but yeah, it's been obviously a unique time to release music. It's a very rare kind of contrast when you think about it and even like quite a stark one because I've seen it over the years when it comes to musicians making albums, how just the act of doing so is quite solitary. And yeah, like, how do you, I've, I've asked this to a couple of musicians and they haven't really found themselves thinking about it much, but I'm curious how you might feel about it. Like, how does it feel knowing that people have experienced this album in a particular circumstance similar to how you made it in terms of being like, you know, solitary? Like, have you put any thought towards that as well? Yeah. I mean, I'd say visually, it really was uh, creating videos during a time, music videos. Um, you know, we we had a lot of this music made, but then it was really, we had to piece together a lot of the visual elements during during these more challenging times. Um, so it kind of made us have to think, you know, outside the box as far as what what's at our, you know, what's in front of us and what who can we work with and, and trying to make ourselves a little more self-sufficient you know, learning how to edit our own videos and, and create our own, you know, kind of visual worlds and not be so reliant on other collaborators. It's been something that, you know, has been really useful. Um, but yeah, I mean, just also when you asked about how people are maybe experiencing our music in this kind of particular time, I feel like a lot of, as Gracie was saying, like a lot of the themes in the music are about taking those steps towards like reaching somebody or saying something or not saying something or just you know looking for that sense of connection and I think we're all kind of hungry for that and I don't know maybe there's something sort of serendipitous about this record coming out and it being about communication and about sort of relationships and interpersonal turmoils that can resonate on a different frequency. I love that you use that word interpersonal because I feel like with my experience of listening to the album and uh, it'll be mentioned in the intro, but I'll say the title here, Hello Weakness, You Make Me Strong. I feel like the course of the album, what really shown through is the aspect of dealing with things internally. Like before you can have these conversations, you have to be able to be having, you have to be willing to have a conversation with yourself. And I feel like I've experienced that with other albums, but never before in an album where it was so at the forefront and so prominent. And I think that's something really special. Thank you. Yeah. We deal deal a lot with ourselves and <laughs> how to how to get through that and each other, you know, because we it's live and we work like one person. <laughs> you know? So there's yeah. the interpersonal within the Gracie and Rachel and then there's the Gracie personal and the Rachel personal. <laughs> the lines are lines are very blurred, but that's why also I think, you know, in this time we're seeing so many people having their lines blurred as well, you know, in, in being forced to live and stay in one place. And so, yeah, we definitely really have related to that in, in this process. Um, what's pretty wild is this episode, I think I told you about it, like, uh, before we hit the recorder, like a couple, like on emails and stuff, but this episode will be coming out the week of Christmas. And yeah, before I start asking about songs off the album, I was curious to know if 
like that period of time, if it brings back any particular fond memories for you, like that element of like Christmas or like winter holidays? We like, we both, we really like choral music and I've done a lot. I like to go to services around midwinter, Christmas, however, the holiday time, whatever you want to, whatever you celebrate. Um, because I do think the musical element around the holidays is just gorgeous and we have a lot of choral textures in our music, so I think we're inspired by some of that kind of early traditional choral, sacred uh, traditional work. But yeah, Gracie has gotten us, you know, tickets to go see Chanticleer, like the King Singers, these like choral ensembles. I always listen to Kitka around the holidays, which is like Slavic folk sacred music. So. I like Christmas time just for the, uh, the music, especially, <laughs> especially for the music. And I mean, you guys have lived it here in New York for like quite a while. And I mean, I always kind of find it hard sometimes to describe New York, uh, Christmas in New York for people who have never been here. But I feel like one of the things that Duffy shines through is it tends to be kind of infectious. Like you could be a total Scroogey type of person, but <laughs> experiencing like, you know, Christmas lights and just like, you know, music coming out of, like, bars and cafes. It could be really special here. Yeah. It's a cozy time, for sure. We definitely... I love to ice skate, so I like to try to get us to the ice skating rink, and Rachel likes to, you know, get to the, the King Singers and, you know, to the choral music. Yeah, we, we definitely... Uh, we drink the juice a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to when you first met, and I'm sure you guys get asked loads about that first meeting, but something I'm really curious about is... When you first, when you look back on when you first met, was it obvious to the two of you that you'd be writing music eventually? Like, was that ever in the cards within, like, that kind of initial meeting? Gracie, was it obvious to you? <laughs> Love at first sight. Um, you know, what I'll say about it is I think that music aside, there was this kind of kinetic energy around, we're both, I think, really competitive people, and we we seeing that in the other person, we're like, well, we could either be competitive against each other or it could be us against the world, you know? And I think we took on like, let's go for this on a pretty extreme level at the onset, whether that was gonna, we met in a dance class. So it really started out with us choreographing dances and wanting to make the best dance we could make and challenging ourselves to push push boundaries, you know, there. Um, so it was performative for sure. And then the musical thing came a little bit after, but I, I think it was cool that the heart of it you know, came just from our our energies more than um more than our musical en energies, which we hadn't really yet explored um, upon first meeting. But yeah, then that all started to happen. We collaborated as dancers, and we I think we both saw in the other person that we were very intentional about like the arc and curation of a you know a dance piece or a sequence. And so I I think there was probably that was like the initial seed to us you know collaborating further. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of amazing to me that, I mean, I feel like it definitely shows through the music that aspect of growth. And earlier I brought up the aspect of internal growth, but I think it's kind of wild that you two have known each other since childhood because I feel in a lot of ways, just by virtue of that, you would have known, you will have known each other better than most people would have known another person. You know what I mean? It's just like that closeness and the fact that you have years together with it, like, growing both as people and artists. That's very, like, particular. Yeah, it is. It's good to hear it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. But that, yeah, it's a really, it's a wonderful question to have it, you know, be more about like, where, where did that first, you know, inkling happen? I think it was, it was, it evolved over time, but there was definitely just an energy that's sort of unspoken. We've been getting asked, you know, questions about when we ta- had a conversation about when we were going to do something together. And we realized we never really had that conversation. Maybe we should have, but we just kind <laughs> of uh, felt something and we were pulled toward it. And I think we felt that it was, you know, bigger than either of us. And we were just going to try and serve that mission, you know, as best we could. And when we did enter into like a musical partnership, I, from my perspective, I remember, you know, I was very much a strictly classical violinist performer, and I'd always been interested in, you know, bending that, those parameters and kind of getting outside the box. And Gracie was a very encouraging vehicle for me to like hop in and she was like just try something try something that's not written down for you and let's have fun with it and I had never maybe had that kind of encouragement and it was something I was looking for so yeah yeah and conversely I mean I I didn't have a lot of structure I was more freeform writing so Rachel like expecting there to be something you know written on the page you know pushed me to try to put things on the page and try to create more structure. And so I, you know, I think we both uh, were fueling each other in some interesting ways early on. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially in the aspect of the fact that there wasn't that initial conversation. Cause one, I mean, when you look back on the fact that you were kids, when do kids have conversations like that? And two, yeah. <laughs> and two it's kind of like when you're passionate about something, that's the thing that ends up driving you more than anything else, which is, it, it must. I love that about music that it can kind of sweep you up and kind of direct you into different avenues in your life when you think about it. Yeah, it's a it's a unique mystery that you, you kind of just have to lean into. I want to jump into the album a bit more now, and we t- we kind of highlighted that there there were feelings and experiences that kind of um, influenced the direction the album went into, but. Looking back, I'm curious if you would kind of share some of the thoughts and the feelings you both had when you decided not only just what the album, the so what the, what songs were going to make up the album, but also the title in itself. Because I mean, "Hello Weakness, You Make Me Strong." That's such a potent title to have that I feel like almost I, I almost imagine the day you came up with it, you probably spent a, a day kind of thinking about it, thinking like, "Oh wow, we're going to call it that." Like that 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 means something. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it was one of the sec. It was the second song, Rachel, or the first one of the first songs that we wrote. Um, I can't remember. It was trust or undo first, but yeah, I think the lyrics that really poured out, you know, early on were indicators of kind of the body of the work that would would follow. And it was a lot of unknowing, uh, trusting ourselves, needing to lean into our weaknesses, you know, to find the strength to write a record or to bring bring a body of work to life. But actually, it's funny you say that because that that the title of the record didn't come until the full the whole record was made and we had totally named it something else. And, um, and then that that phrase kind of kept coming back as more, you know, all encompassing of, of the music um, and resonating. Across the second the ver- it's the second verse. Just the first first verse, verse, yeah. Yeah, but I think we subconsciously started creating work around, you know, our weaknesses and leaning into them and our opposition and how Rachel's, you know, strengths might be my weaknesses and vice versa and how can we internally, you know, just kind of lean into our, our, you know, weaker or more vulnerable parts of ourselves. Um, And that really did lead the way. But yeah, the title didn't come until almost, you know, we were about to submit it to be pressed to vinyl, you know, it was pretty late. 
And then we, we had to change a lot because it's a lot more words, you know. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the original planning. Yeah, so we were trying to do all one word, everything, and, uh, and then, yeah, kind of figured out. It was the title of the all the chapters that became kind of the songs that were the chapters into that title. That title feels so empowering to me because, and I, I, I'm going to run the risk of kind of sound like I'm generalizing, so feel free to cut in at any point, but... <laughs> Um, one of the cool things about this podcast is we have people who listen from all over the world. And sometimes I bring up things about America and American culture. And one of the things about American culture that's kind of almost unspoken, but everyone's obvious to it, is the fact that being open about your weaknesses or putting your weaknesses at the forefront is something that's kind of like, we're, we're kind of taught not to do it as children. It's kind of evoked as a thing that people shouldn't do and i feel like we're getting better at it as a country (laughs) as people who live here but that's kind of what makes me latch onto a title and an album like this and when i really let the songs wash over me that it's weirdly still in 2020 a rare thing for people to allow their weaknesses to illuminate them to different ideas i think that's something that's very um it's very it's it's special in a specific way that's so cool I don't feel like that's generalizing at all. That's really touching um, and cool, yeah, to hear that it's it's reached you that way. I think somebody we were paying a lot of attention to at the onset of this record was um, Brene Brown. And, you know, she really speaks to vulnerability and, and leaning into your vulnerabilities to, to find your, you know, your growth. Um, and so I think, you know, she speaks about it on kind of a political level too and a social level and how can you know the world learn from vulnerabilities and we're really moved by that so yeah i i love that that's something you were you were feeling yeah well thank you for making it because you guys made the music <laughs> so it's really nice <laughs> on that sense i'm always fascinated by tracks that i feel uh set the tone for a whole album um i know sometimes as musicians it's almost like a push and pull on whether or not that's the case but I feel like in the context of your album, that was the case with Trust. And I'd love to hear about the role that song played in your writing process. I feel like this song revealed a lot to you of what was possible for the album as a whole. Yeah, I would say you really nailed that because it definitely was a first song for us. I think it was one of the first songs, right? Yeah. Coming off of tour, we were set to go back and write another record and there was a lot of kind of interpersonal narcissism around that. Like, do we know how to write another body of work? Can we trust ourselves? And then there was a lot of the Me Too movement and things that were happening in the world and seeing women trust themselves. And we just kind of felt like, okay, we need to like lean into, even though we have got a lot of self-doubt here, just trusting ourselves despite. Um, and, and that was something that, you know, I think launched us into facing a lot of things throughout all of the songs that, that followed, um, that hopefully opened us up to, to them a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, sonically, it was also one of the first songs we brought into the studio. And, um, you know, as the record progressed, we became a lot more hands on. And sort of by the end of the process, because we wrote for about a year and a half, I'd say we were much more sufficient in the producer as a producer and honing in that role. And like, Trust was a great example of working with some producers and not really, we did not, we had a disagreement and it felt like, you know, we couldn't, they weren't hearing where we were coming from or respecting our opinions. So I'd say that was also like the launching pad or like a springboard to us taking a bit more control of like our art and creative freedom. So 
that song very much has vision within it, but not in a way that you could just write in like one or two sentences. You really do have to like kind of feel it, which, you know, sounds very obvious when it comes to music, but I imagine as the creators of the music, like conveying that to others in itself might be difficult. Like here's a vision that I have for a song or a project, but how do I do that with like, there's not necessarily action words, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just internalizing and, and making something kind of insularly and then putting it out and trusting that you can share that in the way that you want to. Yeah, another track of yours I found myself taken by was Stranger, and it's such a beautiful track, and I felt like the vocals and the instruments were constantly dancing around each other. What was it like to bring this song to life? Because I feel like the creation of this had to be a very fun experience as well. That's cool. That song took a lot of different forms because it started really just with us at the piano and the violin and vocals, and then we were trying in that phase, you know, Rachel was trying to explore more, like, people we could work with, producers. I think this was even before Rachel started to take matters into her own hands and go, I'm going to be more of the producer role. Um, so she found this uh, UK producer named Chris Hutchinson, and we never met him, but she, you know, we really liked, she liked some of the stuff he had done, and we sent it to him, and he got to do some kind of fun arrangements and then send it back to us, you know, never having met the person and, and kind of, in it, which felt fitting for a song that's called Stranger. You know, we were working with a perfect stranger, but um yeah it was it was a fun experiment but we ultimately we wanted to make it build but also keep kind of the bones of that piano violin that you know i think is more present on our first record um and 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 have that be a bridge into this new music yeah and what was it like for you listening back to it for the first time that particular track when we got it back i remember we were um yeah Really excited, and we were just like, "This is epic!" <laughs> the build, the build was really, yeah. I remember where we were. We were excited to have such a big climax and drop. I don't think we'd done anything like that really yet. At that point, we were excited for that huge build um, to just keep the keep the intensity and the anxiety alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> This question kind of just uh, came to mind to me earlier today because today I was in Central Park and I listened back to the album again. And it, it, like I felt this way the first couple times I listened to it, but listening to it in a setting like Central Park with all these trees and you know the sun and like this the breeze and all that, it really reminded me about this overall cinematic aspect to the music. And I wonder if that's a word that meant something to you while you were making it? Like, is that kind of a feeling you wanted people to take away from it? Definitely. Yeah. We, we've called ourselves cinematic before and then we realized maybe that's too, uh, I don't know, pompous to say we're cinematic. Music, <laughs> but, but we, but we do really we love identity crisis. We're like Baroque chamber, indie, cinematic, orchestra, orchestral, pop, yeah. like, can't quite land it. <laughs> but I think cinematic is such a complimenting complimentary word, you know, because hopefully it's scoring what you're you're just talking about being in the world and feeling like you were visually kind of getting a nice score to your Central Park experience. I mean, that's like, you know, all you can ask for as an artist is to feel like you're with people in their experiences and what they're seeing and then internalizing and maybe feeling um, on a bigger level. So I think I think that's a really cool, yeah, thing that we do appreciate and work work towards just some kind of drama. I think cinema, cinematic music is often just so, you know, filled with kind of like intense intensity and, you know, release, tension and release. And I think, you know, we are attracted to that for sure. Exactly. And, you know, 
it's funny. Like, I think in any sense, I would struggle to describe exactly how the element is, like, when I say cinematic, how that feels. But I could definitely say that not all musicians do that with their music. So I think that's a big signifier of why it stands out as well, where it's like, wow, this could definitely, this has movement to it. Mm. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, Another standout track that I wanted to talk to you about is Ideas. And I feel like that's definitely a song that when people hear this one, that's definitely one that definitely sticks out to them as well. And I mean, Rachel, I have to say your violin plucking is so damn great in this song. And the overall lyrics as well are really great because I feel like out of all the songs on the album, this is the one where the relatability aspect is very embedded within the overall intimacy of the song. And I wonder, like, whether or not you find yourselves normally discussing lyrics, did you find yourselves discussing the lyrics of this particular song? Actually, I do think that, Rachel, you did the, when we were doing this more just at the piano and Rachel came in with her violin and was did these really simple bum bum plucks. I remember we like had a moment where it was like, no, like let's not go any further. Cause usually, you know, we would at the onset of creating maybe try to do something more and, add more textures or come back and revise, revise. But I remember in that moment, it's we were really your first idea, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Third, third idea is third thing to come to mind. You know, <laughs> it was the simple idea, you know, take your little idea. Yeah. It felt true and raw to that. And I remember us, us actually being wanting to be protective of that intimacy um, because the sentiment of, of the song was, I think, asking for it. And Gracie, I mean, Gracie brought this song to me. She had written it, you know, full, full out. And you can speak more to, you know, what you were thinking or feeling in the moment of writing that song. But I do remember just wanting to preserve the intimacy of it and wanting to keep it um, just close because it felt like a song that came so organically from the heart. And, like, it did, we didn't need to make make it too complicated yeah i think like you know the the sentiment of like taking your little ideas and making them stronger it's definitely a note to self that i don't think the person you know singing it or feel or, or saying it to themselves necessarily has figured out yet um and so to have the bolder sonic ideas or, you know presented would maybe be inauthentic to you know that that perspective of just trying to figure it out not necessarily knowing how to yet you know, you brought up something quite interesting there, uh, Rachel, in regards to when it came to this song in particular, you knew what it needed over the course of making it. And I mean, this might be a very deaf question from a non-musician, but it's kind of mm. funny when I look at keyboards and violins, I feel like they tend to be instruments where it'd be very easy to overdo it in regards to what you add to a song. So when I hear a song and there's like an element where there's like space or, you know, it doesn't feel like there's so much sonics piled onto each other. I wonder as the musicians who play these instruments, is that is that easy? Is it easy to know when to kind of like put restraint on in regards to a song and know that a song needs this and doesn't need this? So hard. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. But that's just how you said it is like something we really focused a lot on in this record of like, how can we say a lot with a little? in with you know not too many crazy parts or like too many layers like you know how can we translate this one idea with a single violin pluck note you know and um 
yeah, that was a, a big uh, challenge in this record making process. And we talked about it a lot and taking things out, putting them back in, taking them out. A lot of that. How long did it take for you guys to make the overall album, by the way? Year and a half. Year and a half? Yeah. Wow. Writing and recording, demoing, erasing, there, rebuilding. There were close to 50 songs. You asked, yeah. you know, what, what made the record, and Whoa. that's a... We have a lot of B-sides coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing, though, and I, I mean this respectfully, but it was, it, like, I remember when I listened to the album for the first time when it was finished, I very much found myself thinking, like, wow, this is exactly what the album needed to be in regards to the way the songs supported one another, like, track after track after track. And to know there was so much that could have gone into it, it's interesting how mm -hmm. you were able to distill it, especially after making it for that long of a period of time, because I imagine internally there must have been a lot of conversations you had about just different songs in general, right? Yeah, a lot of yeah. tears. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. I think it's, it's like killing your darlings in a way, but then not wanting that to mean that it's the end of a lifespan. It just also means that, you know, we have to find the songs that serve the overall mission. So back in season one of this podcast, this episode coming out is going to be a pretty good bridge between season one and season two. But back in season one, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Asia Murata, was on the podcast. And uh, yeah, she's the best. And I asked her if she wanted me to ask you something. And she came up with quite a brilliant question, actually. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Asia wanted to know. Hold on, I'm just going to pull it up here. Asia wanted to know, what is one thing you've learned about each other throughout this year, not only as bandmates, but also as roommates and best friends? Wow. That's... Oh, Asia. <laughs> Laying it on. She knows us really well. Yeah. <laughs> She's done many a photo shoot with us and been like, let me figure this out. Um, I don't know. You go first, Rachel. Oh. And I have. <laughs> if you go first, I can think about my answer for longer. <laughs> can we repeat the question? <laughs> She's buying time. She's buying time. If you're ready, baby, you can go. No, no, I'm asking you to answer first so that I can buy some more time. <laughs> yeah, some time. That's why we should repeat the question. I didn't quite hear you. What's the question? So, <laughs> what is something we learned about each other? I know um, what the question is. <laughs> much <laughs> i do i feel like that's why this question is sort of difficult because it's i wish i think we wish there were more to learn about each other but we've got a lot of that figured out which has been you know no i mean i mean as a roommate we could start there that could be easier <laughs> <laughs> you know going on what eight years of living together what's new um wow has it been eight years yeah for, like, everything, it's just, like, right there, Ken. Wow. <laughs> um, we're being evasive. I know, but not <laughs> on purpose. Well, I think over this last record, you know, Rachel has really come into herself as a producer, and and I think that's been a really cool thing to see, um, because I think, you know, you were just, a, you know, you were just saying, Ken, that we've been maybe, you know, taking out things or, or leaving space for things. And how hard is that? I think that Rachel came into our first body of work as a violinist purely and was seeing herself as filling the space as violinist. And I think this body of work, you know, Rachel has really 
taught me that you can take moments for it and that taking things out gives more power to the moments where they're in. So that's something that I learned a lot from Rachel and, and I've needed to carry the baseline with the keyboard all the time and fill things up and you, she's really taught me to um, kind of back off of that and like listen to the silence. So that's something I've learned from you. Usually I just give her like a sneer and I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just do less. <laughs> yeah, but I've learned that from you. I've and learned so to I've learned to, you know, tone down my my facial response. <laughs> no, but I mean, I guess like even in that vein of, you know, less is more, or like when to, if you want to have a, a very lyrical, you know, dynamic part, like be intentional about when you want, you know, to have that conversation. And I'd say, you know, Gracie is very articulate and good at confronting you know, thoughts that she's having, feelings that she's feeling around the house, and maybe I'll feel a feeling, but I don't really know if it's real or if it's valid or, you know, if it's something to entertain. And so Gracie's, you know, taught me to actually be, I think, a little bit more brave with my ideas and a little bit more brave with my emotions and the ways in which I can, like, as you said, even in the beginning, Ken, like, if you don't do it for yourself first, you know, you can't do it with others. So yeah. I think she's opened up that side of me in the past, in the making of the record, maybe not even just in the past year, in the past two or three years. Oh, that's super sweet, you guys. <laughs> Did we do okay? We that was a hard one. Oh, that's uh, hard. I feel yeah. like I wish I knew you liked a new kind of food or something. Gracie loves making poke bowls. That's something <laughs> I've learned about her. That's a great. That's, that's a new thing for me, though. So it's, it's new for everybody. <laughs> that people don't know that about you. Now they know it. <laughs> Something I've learned about you. Okay. Wow. But like, I just imagine. I mean, this might be like a really um, basic thing to say, but just what amazing like sense of gratitude the two of you must have felt over the course of 2020 that. You know, like here in America, particularly in New York, we've been forced to kind of be confined in our homes. And the fact that you guys have lived together for so long um, already, I mean, I just imagine, not obviously it wasn't smooth sailing, there's no such thing, but imagine the fact that you had all this time living with each other prior just made the overall experience a lot easier than it could have been. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah. It didn't even really feel that different. Yeah. It's like we've been doing this for years, and like now we got to see everybody else react to what it's what kind of work it takes, you know, to like be indoors with the you know people you live with or work with all the time, and it takes work. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, uh, yeah, I struggled with it a bit myself because I've, as a freelancer, I've always worked from home most of the time throughout my career, but I've always had the avenues of going to other places naturally to work from. So being confined just to home by myself, like home, and then with my partner and everything, it was yeah. great, but there was definitely some up and ups and downs generally. Totally. Yeah, I think like seeing that happen for everybody else was comforting because we were like, okay, we're not like nuts for feeling so much angst these past, yeah, challenged and working to face those challenges every day and being like, are we just being like over-confrontational or over tense or over, you know, it's like, no, this is just like, 
the reality that we've put ourselves into by choice and to see it, you know, be now something that isn't a choice is a, it's a really interesting and helpful thing that, you know, we do, I think we do find gratitude in. Yeah. How do you, how do, how do the two of you distance yourselves from music? Cause it, it's amazing to live with your musical partner in the sense that you get to always, you know, converse about what you're working on and trade new ideas. But I imagine it must be important to set aside time where you're not thinking about music, right? Yeah. We make like pretend restaurants and <laughs> we play like chef and <laughs> hey, yeah. you wanna, I'll, meet, I'll see you in the bar tonight and we both go into our rooms and we come back out and we are suddenly at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> We've done that a few times where we make we create a menu. Rachel's a really good cook, and so she'll create like a full like six course meal, and then I'll play Ooh. cocktail waitress, and we'll try to feel like we went out designer. that day. You're like the interior designer. <laughs> I think that we started doing that before quarantine, you know, times. Yeah. I think we would just try to be like, all right, we finished our work day, let's now go into like hosting ourselves, and it's sort of a yeah, kind of a sad but hilarious <laughs> thing <laughs> okay we're here but it's really fun yeah we really fun. like to celebrate i think we were saying you know gracie we our next record the side a is everything's a celebration and then side b is everything's a devastation <laughs> yeah. But yeah i think i think we came up with that one night when we wanted to like cheers to something and we realized we were like wait last night we cheers to something because it was like you know really amazing and tonight we're cheersing because like the worst thing happened and we needed a drink and it was like we were just kind of like being like let's celebrate to feel better about things and let's celebrate to not feel you know so i don't know it's kind of kind of funny that we uh we face that but yeah we try to get out a little bit take that walk when you need to but it's hard we are workaholics i would say so we sometimes have a hard time peeling ourselves away from from the job the yeah. job also like in our relationship you know, it's not just investing in the music, it's investing in a relationship. So, like, we can't even work if things aren't, if we need to have a conversation about something, you know? It's it's noticing that, and it's a lot of mediation, and it's a lot of checking in, something I'm also maybe not the best at, that Gracie has taught me, that's like, <laughs> check in more, like, ask I, about the feelings. <laughs> and I should, I should check in less, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, Rachel, I think I can definitely relate to you about that. I feel like over the course of 2020, I've been learning that more about myself. I definitely need to get better at just gently checking in, not just with yeah. my partner, but anyone. Like, it's it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was really excited to bring up to you is um, the fact that you had the chance to not only do a tidy desk, but you've done it twice. The so one at the famous desk in uh, D.C. and another mm -hmm. at home during the pandemic. And... Both performances are great, but it's interesting how almost night and day they are, where the way you seem at your latest uh, Tiny Dusk, it's like there's this element of ease that I noticed right away. And not just like in regards to how you were like on camera, but just the way you were performing the songs. I really felt like you were like embodying them. Is, do you feel like that's something you noticed as well? Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> we are excited to get that second shot. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't even watch the first one full through. I don't think either of us have watched it because we were so... But I think what you just said made me realize that it was accurate for what that music was. That music was more full of anxiety and tension and release and those kinds of things. And I, I think we were pretty terrified to be at the 
NPR Tiny Desk. And so our anxiety came through and we were kind of tense, but maybe that met the music in an okay way. Maybe that was suiting, you know, to the music we were playing at the time that was a little more intense and kind of dramatic or whatever, you know. And then this time, I think the music is mellowed out in some, some ways. And so maybe that presentation was was accurate as well, that we were feeling a little calmer and, and also being in the comfort of your own home as opposed to at NPR's tiny desk is, you know, there's a little differentiation of, of nerves. <laughs> and yep. we got to do it a few more times than just once. <laughs> that helps too. No, it was the first time through. First time. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've had a couple friends now who have played Tiny Dust, but I've actually haven't had the chance to ask any of them this. So it'd be nice to ask you this. Uh, when you look back to the first time you played Tiny Dust, do you remember how you felt immediately afterwards? Like what was like going through your mind or not? I remember right before. Remember in the bathroom, Gracie, and we gave each other a hug and I was washing my hands. And then we were, blow, we were blow drying our armpits. Yeah, yeah, we were we were we were sweaty. We were really sweaty, so we were blow drying blow drying our armpits in the um. Yeah, sorry, TMI, but was, uh, I remember I remember we were blow drying our armpits, and we some but some woman opened the door, and as she opened the door, Robin Hilton was like walking by and like looked over, and we were like, that was how we met Robin Hilton. Was like, oh no, thing. But, I lost my tooth the night before. Did you? Yeah, you're not you're not supposed to lose your tooth. <laughs> my tooth like fell off. I fell out of my mouth. How? Stress. <laughs> yeah. It was a stressful time before. I think after we were relieved, but also I remember we did a really they, they let us do a you know, Bob like set us up to do a sound check and I remember we felt really confident at the sound check and we felt like we get we almost shouldn't have sound checked because we I think we gave our best performance at sound check and then we got one more chance to do it again and and we kind of didn't realize that they you know they call people in from NPR offices kind of like a cafeteria announcement like everybody report to Oh them. yeah. And it happens within like 20 seconds you look up and there's like you know 100 people standing there. So I think that really set in and then right after you know it was nice to feel we we had gotten through it. We had, didn't have any royal screw ups but um, but I think we were also like, ugh, you know, we felt so nervous. We didn't get to enjoy it. So we don't, we didn't really ever want to watch it back. Oh. <laughs> it, it felt a bit like a blur, you know, yeah. I can't, I feel like when it was done, it was just like, it's done. All right. Yes. <laughs> we leave now. It just yeah. sort of came and passed me by at least quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've worked in a television production and I bring that up because the armpit thing didn't sound too weird to me because <laughs> I imagine with Tiny Desk, I've never been, but I imagine the lights that they use to light you are pretty intense. So, Actually, it's just the fact that it looks like a regular office and it is just bright, but I don't oh. remember lights. I think it was just broad daylight and it just felt like so raw. Like there's nothing to hide. We, we might have wanted some lights. Yeah, lights oh, wow. might have been like something. <laughs> To be, make it a little like mm, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so casual, yeah. And I think that's what they want from it, you know. Like yeah. I think Bob Bob works really hard to have it feel so not glitzed up because he wants it to feel really intimate and raw. But it's a strange feeling because there are people there and they don't amplify you, so it's yeah. really quiet. It's a small sound and a few, like maybe two operators, like walking. It's not a big production, so it, it feels almost. You kind of would rather there be some big lights to soften something in a way, yeah. but 
I know you said what you did about, you know, walking it, watching it, never really watching it back in full because you feel like the intensity, but it's interesting. I normally try to stay away from like um, YouTube comments, but when I went into the YouTube comments for your first tiny desk, a lot of people were like kind of saying, like noting that, but in a positive way. It's like, these girls look so serious. This is badass. Uh, that's good. <laughs> on the first one? Yeah, on the first one. I saw a lot of that. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, we steer clear of that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, That's good to hear, though. We, we had fun. It was such an honor. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. That's amazing. Yeah, I highly recommend for people listening to go check both of those out. And that newest one, too, is pretty awesome. Before we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask a couple more questions. And, uh, you know, I brought up before how, you know, when people listen to this, it'd be like that weird week of Christmas. I say weird because, you know... With 2020 being what it is, who knows how this week is going to be for a lot of people. But mm -hmm. I'm curious, do you guys know what your plans are yet? Like, will you, will you be able to travel at all or do anything? I think we just wait wait and see how this develops, you know. We, we typically go home um, to Berkeley, California for the holidays, but this time looking much more unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe the first... Christmas in the city. A white yeah. Christmas. Will, yeah. will it be the first? Yeah. Wow. I've never, never not been in California for Christmas. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting because I've had a mix of, um, my parents are just over in Westchester, but, you know, seeing them throughout the course of 2020 hasn't really been possible. I haven't gone to visit them. And, uh, I have other family in England, uh, and my girlfriend's family is there. We usually spend Christmas there, so we are going to England, but, um... Wow! Yeah, but, um, her sister's having a baby, so that's... Oh, my goodness! Yeah, so that's the big wow. driver, but, like, a part of us don't, you know, doesn't want to go, because we're kind of feeling like, what's it going to be like, but... Yeah. It, I, there's a small part of me that almost wishes I, I would be here, because Christmas in New York especially in a year like this, I feel like it's going to be weirdly special because mm. a lot of people go away and the fact that so much of us have to be here, the fact that yeah. it's going to be kind of like this collective kind of feeling going on. That I'm sure you could attest to this with living in New York, but it's interesting how collectively the city could be going through something and you don't even need to have conversations with people to feel what's in the air. Yeah. I do think the sen our sense of community and our spirit of wanting to, like, just, you know, whether we can do it physically, but just, like, mentally be supportive of one another is going to be in at its highest this this season. I think that's um, definitely going to shine through, especially even in New Year's, which is, like, always such a big deal here, but, yeah, it's so strange. We'll video, we'll video you in just so you can get a glimpse of, <laughs> of New York while you're away. <laughs> yep. Uh, before we finish this off, um, considering the fact that you've lived together for so long, are there any holiday traditions you'd want to share? Like anything that you've, you've done the last couple of years while living together? Um, going, going to see the, um, the King singers and choral music that Rachel loves, but we sometimes will get a cactus or some kind of a plant that's in the loft and wrap that up and put little, little things around it and <laughs> make the other person feel guilty that they don't have things for Sometimes them underneath <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
just keep adding to it until you start to see some more. Um, I'll just wad up newspaper and write somebody's name on it and like make them think that there's a gift in there. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel. Rachel often um, makes like perfumes and things for people, like sachets. You often do like little, uh, what are those called? Yeah. What are those called? Like an apothecary trinket. No, the things you put in your dresser. Um, oh, yeah. Pot a potpourri. Potpourri, yeah. I did oh. that last year. I do yeah. things every year. Kind of like a little arts and craftsy thing. And Gracie likes to put lights around. And we listen to a lot. Of, we start listening to Christmas music in October. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. God. You're out in us. <laughs> I feel almost, I, no, I feel quite jealous when we were to those activities. All I tend to do is like watch like TV and movies for like maybe two or three whole days and not talk to anyone. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> you guys are doing. We made a gingerbread house the other day. Did you? Yeah, we did. Oh, that's awesome. How, it, <laughs> is that easy? It's a village. It's a lot of different houses. I was going to say, is the, I've never done that surprisingly. Is the experience of doing that easier than one might think or is that too really difficult? I would say it was, it was, I mean, Rachel was more successful than I was, so I'll, I'll say that it was, uh... Rachel's uh, laughing right now quite profusely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gracie just, like, got really frustrated with the experience. She was like, I don't care. This is the art house. I'm going to Picasso all over it. Yeah, I, I pretended like I was doing it on purpose, like making an artful house, but really it was just, I think, because I couldn't get my pieces to stick together, so... Um... <laughs> We had a surprisingly good time, though. We ended up just feeling it was like a cliche. We were like, that was the most wonderful, wholesome evening. My heart is so full. <laughs> we were just like on cloud nine. So I don't know. Not overrated. <laughs> good to know. Guys, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, for everyone listening, make sure you check out Hello Weakness, You Make Me Strong. It's such a beautiful record. And thank you again, Gracie and Rachel. I'm so glad I got to talk to you finally. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Really great to talk to you. Yeah. Super thoughtful questions. It means a lot. Oh, anytime. Of course. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.